Welcome to On Mission, the teaching ministry of the Mission Church in Irvindale. We exist to love God by loving others, leading them to become fully functioning followers of Christ Jesus. Join Pastor Mike as he teaches through the Gospel of Luke. Before we get to Luke chapter 3, I want to take you to a New Testament, another New Testament passage. One that was written by the Apostle Paul is found in Galatians chapter 4, and it's verses 4 and 5. And here's what the Apostle Paul had to say in this section of Scripture. He begins verse 4 by saying, but when the fullness of time had come. Now that's bolded, that's underlined, obviously. I want to make sure you see that sentence. But when the fullness of time had come. God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law to redeem those under the law so that we might receive the adoption as sons. Why did I want to start off today's message by reading that? Because I wanted to remind us of a very important truth point. This truth point comes down to this, that God, God is sovereign. God is sovereign. God is sovereign over time. God is sovereign over space. He knows the beginning from the end, and he is in no hurry to see his plans accomplished. (laughs) Now, that may sound strange to you. It certainly sounds a little strange to me because whenever I develop a plan, (laughs) I'm always in a hurry to see it accomplished. In fact, I want it to all be accomplished in the briefest amount of time possible. But God is so much unlike me, and that's a good thing, right? He's so much different. He's in no hurry to see his plans accomplished. Why? Because God's plans were actually established before the foundation of the world. And those plans that he established before the foundation of the world have a time frame in which they are to be accomplished. And so God's not in a hurry because he has a time frame. And he is at work to see that his plan is carried out in the time frame that he established. Now you say, Pastor Mike, that's all well and good, but what does that have to do with Luke chapter 3? Everything. Literally everything. You see, when we come to the gospel of Luke, we we remember that in chapter 1, we were introduced to a man named Zachariah and his wife, Elizabeth, and they received from an angelic visitation a grand announcement that they would be the parents of the forerunner of the Messiah. And at that point, when the angel appeared to Zechariah and told him that, there was a flurry of activity that began that did not slow down until John was actually born, circumcised, and received his name. But it seems as though as fast as everything ramped up when the announcement came and the fulfillment was coming about, as fast as it started, it all seemingly shuts down. Nothing takes place, so to speak, For 30 years, for 30 years, for 30 years, John lives in obscurity. He lives in the wilderness, a region of Judea. Nothing really, from a human point of view, special is taking place. In other words, he's not, as far as we know, receiving any angelic visitations anymore. He's not getting a formal education He's not being schooled by the rabbis. There's no real ministry taking place, just just dull wilderness 
living. I tend to think that if this were a documentary we were watching on television, we would have long since turned the channel. Because this story with John the Baptist so far, since his naming, has become very slow. Nothing really exciting going on here. With this 30-year gap between his birth and the start of the ministry that he came to do, we would likely say, why is this taking so long? Kind of like what we might actually say about God's announcement to Adam and Eve when he talked in Genesis 3.15 about a deliverer that would come, and Eve was excited, and she thought the first son she bore was that deliverer, but in fact, it wasn't. It took 4,000 years, 4,000 years for him to show up. But the point that I make to us, the microwave generations, and by the way, it's not a microwave generation, all of us, there's several generations in here, we're all part of that now. The microwave generations is that God has a perfect program. Now, neither you nor I fully understand it, but he does. He sees the beginning from the end, and the fact that we might not see something happening quick is not a reason for concern. It's not a reason for worry, despite the swirling winds of chaos that surround us. He has everything perfectly under control. And with that said, I begin reading Luke chapter 3, beginning with verse 1. In the 15th year of the reign of Tiberius Caesar, Pontius Pilate being governor of Judea and Herod being tetrarch of Galilee, and his brother Philip, tetrarch of the region of Turea and Trachonis, and Lysanias, tetrarch of Abilene, I didn't know he was from Texas, (laughs) during the high priesthood of Annas and Caiaphas, The word of God came to John, the son of Zechariah, in the wilderness. And he went into all the region around the Jordan, proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. As it is written in the book of the words of Isaiah the prophet, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. Every valley shall be filled and every mountain and hill shall be made low and the crooked shall become straight and the rough places shall become level ways and all flesh shall see the salvation of God. He said therefore to the crowds that came out to be baptized by him, this is John, you brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bear fruits. In keeping with repentance. And do not begin to say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. For I tell you, God is able from these stones to rise, raise up children for Abraham. Now, even now, the axe is laid to the root of the trees. Every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. And the crowds asked him, what then shall we do? And he answered them, whoever has two tunics is to share with him who has none, and whoever has food is to do likewise. Tax collectors also came to be baptized and said to him, teacher, what shall we do? And he said to them, collect no more than you are authorized to do. Soldiers also asked him, and we, what shall we do? 
And he said to them, do not extort money from anyone by threats or by false accusation and be content with your wages. We begin with verses one and two, the chronological context. I'm not going to spend much time on this. I just want to point out again, as I've done many times so far, how that Luke is documenting uh, the unfolding of God's redemptive plan in space and time. He documents it in verse 3 by taking us to seven historically verifiable personalities to pinpoint the time frame of the events that he's recording. He gives us five names of Gentile leaders in the Roman Empire and two who were leaders in Judaism. John, who became known as the Baptist, is a real person in real space, in real time, in real history. And we know that because his ministry is set in this context of other real people who lived real lives in real space and real time. And his ministry began, according to Luke, when Tiberius Caesar was ruler of Rome, Pontius Pilate was governor of Judea, Herod Antipas was tetriarch, that's just a a lesser uh, ruling status of Galilee. His brother, that's Herod Antipas' brother, Philip, was tetriarch of Tria and Trachontus, and Licinius was tetriarch of Abilene. I mean, these are people you can actually go on Google, Google their names, and real historical information will come up. And not only does he give us the secular Uh, as it relates to Rome, a context there, but he gives us one uh, with Israel as well, Annas and Caiaphas, uh, both of them uh, having been high priest or being high priest of Judaism. And you say, Pastor Mike, what's the point of all that? The point is simply this, and you ought to mark it down if it's not already in your note guide, and if it is, circle it somewhere, that God's story is not a once upon a time fairy tale. I think so many people today kind of think that, that the Bible is just another one of those mythological books with nice fanciful stories to teach us principles and ideals to live by. And while it may teach us principles and ideals to live by, it is a historical book. It is based in real time, real places, real people. And it is during this real time that Luke tells us that God's word came to John, son of Zechariah, in the wilderness. What does that mean, that God's word came to him? Let me tell you what it doesn't mean. It's not saying that John received revelation from God to record for us. John, as far as we know, did not receive any revelation to record for us. He is not one of the authors of Scripture. No. When it says the Word of God came to John in the wilderness, it's talking about God's voice or his spirit calling John to action. This is God saying, Now's the time. It's been 30 years. But here's the point of time I have, I have uh, appointed for you. So I want you to get up now and I want you to begin the ministry that you have been appointed to and anointed for. And so the spirit moving upon John, he steps out of seclusion to begin his ministry. And that brings us to verse 3 where it tells us that John began to travel. 
It says that he went into the region around the Jordan. And as he went about this region in the Jordan, he proclaimed a distinctive message. The distinctive message was the baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. That was his message. That's what so God commissioned him to go and to proclaim. A baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. Before I unpack that, I want to define these terms because defining the terms gives us the understanding of what this is all about. First of all, the word baptism. The word baptism here comes from the Greek baptizo, and it means to immerse. To immerse something means to completely cover it with nothing left uncovered or untouched. The word repent or repentance comes from the Greek word metanoia, and it means to turn from something to something. So baptism is all about covering so that nothing is left untouched, and repentance means to turn from something to something. This is On Mission. The Mission Church is located at 12001 Ridgemont Drive in Urbandale. To learn more about our ministry, visit our website at themissiondsm.org or call us at 515-255-2122. We gather for worship each Sunday at 10 a.m. We would be honored for you to join us. Have a blessed day, and thank you for listening to On Mission.